Welcome to the Teaching Self-Government Podcast with Nicolene Peck. Improving your life, uniting your family, changing the world. Welcome to the Teaching Self-Government Podcast. I'm Nicolene Peck, and I am joined here with my daughter, Paige Peck Baumert. How are you doing today, Paige? Oh, so good, as always. Great. Okay, today we are going to be talking about ways to make the school year exciting. So no matter... Yeah, exactly, right? It's that time of year again where everybody's thinking about back to school. And this year is a little different. People have a lot of concerns maybe about masks and no masks and is it going to be safe there? Or or there's all these people going, oh, I think I'm going to homeschool. That was kind of fun last year. I'm going to try this. Or maybe it's not fun, but I just feel like I want to, you know, or whatever. <laughs> there's a lot of people who are jumping in to homeschooling and feeling like that's a fun idea. So uh, no matter where you're at with schooling, we want to share some things today that you can do to make the school year exciting for your family. But first, as tradition, we want to talk about family activities and give you a fun idea for a family activity. Paige, what kind of an idea do we have for people today? Oh, I have a good one. So today... I wanted to talk about something that we did as a family quite often, actually. Mm -hmm. And we, as a family, made our own games as a family. So, like, we would make the board or the cards or whatever. And obviously, it was a longer project, but it was super fun. I remember there was one game that I remember us making, and we called it the Bones Game. And that's how you taught us the different names of all the different bones in the body. That game took us a while to make. Well, because we had to draw everything and then laminate we had to draw everything. Every bone in the body. <laughs> and we had to cut yeah, it we out. Put, we put them all together in like a skeleton, you know, so it so it could build because we built it. Part of the game was you build the the skeleton. That was a big project that we worked on for a really long time, but that game is a treasure. In fact, I've told a lot of people about our Bones game, and they're like, what? There's nothing like that that exists. And like, I, I know. <laughs> we had to learn all the bones to make the game, so that mm -hmm. was a good thing, right? Anyway, yeah, totally. Love that. We made a game that was a board game. So the Bones game was like a card game with pieces. Like a placemat and game. Yeah, that's true, because it had a map that you built the bones on. Mm -hmm. That's true. But the we had a game that was a board game, and I just went to a website back in the day. I don't even know if the site still exists, but it was called Bear, Bear Boards, I think, like Bear Naked, B-A-R-E, Bear Boards. And I think they made Bear Books also at the same time, so you could write your own storybooks. We did some of that as a family, too. We made oh, up our yeah. own stories in little books, and we made our own games on game boards. And so we drew on there and, and made a, you know, a board game, which was really fun, all about the 50 states. And it had certain cards, and these cards, if you, you know, 
they had facts about the state and different things. And if you knew certain facts about the state, you could move to certain places on the board. It had traps kind of like Candyland. And <laughs> anyway, there was, you know, it was like this mixture of all these different games and we made it ourselves. You don't have to buy an official game board. You can just use paper if you want to, or even make a game on the sidewalk with sidewalk chalk. There's so many fun things you can do just to make a family game. And it really does something for your family. There's this bonding that happens when you're like, this is ours. Nobody else has this. Mm -hmm. We made this, you know. Especially when you're all invested in that same project. Yeah. It was so fun. Such fun, fun memories. So speaking of fun, today we're going to be talking about how to make the school year exciting for people that are getting ready to launch into their homeschool journeys or launch back into the school year and the children are going off to school and going to be conquering whatever that looks like. <laughs> Wearing it's masks, a weird, yeah, it's a weird, <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. What else. It is a weird time of the world. You know, you're thinking, you would think like, what could ever disrupt school? And boom, how quickly was that disrupted? And, <laughs> you know, and everybody now is just thinking about the day-to-day -day things in life with just a new lens on. And what we thought never would change is all of a sudden so different. So such as it is, these are the times we live in. So let's talk about what we can do to make this year fun. You know, really the fun for the year it doesn't have as much to do with, you know, what curriculum you went through. Although there are some great curriculums that can add some wonderful discussions and it can be a lot of fun. And I'll probably talk about those a little bit more this weekend, this Friday, August 21st, I'm doing a free event dedicated to strengthening family culture and in really like rejuvenating learning. And that's, you can go to heartofhomeschool.com to learn about that. And um, if you're seeing this after the fact, who knows what'll maybe be there for you. <laughs> then As after August 21st, 2020. <laughs> yeah, we probably should be clear on the year. Yeah. If anyone forgets that 2020 was the year of masks and pandemic, which I don't think will ever happen. Anyway, <laughs> we are going to be talking about today what we can do to strengthen the fun times that can make life more exciting, no matter what's happening academically, no matter what's happening with all of the, you know, crazy rules and regulations and all those kinds of things that are going on. So I want to share with you today, we've planned seven ways that you can make the school year more exciting for your family, because really that excitement starts in the home. It starts oh, with your sure. family relationships. Yeah. Well, and I think a lot of it starts, you know, with like the expectation that is set, because a lot of people... Sometimes there's a negative connotation like, oh, we got to go back to school, blah, blah, blah. And then some people are like, yes, we get to go back to school because we get to do all these fun things and we get to learn. And, you know, so it's just, it kind of depends on your expectations. It does in your attitude, right? Mm -hmm. And whether you're an optimist or a pessimist, whether you like change or you don't, you know, <laughs> and those kinds of things. But you can decide to. You can decide, hey, this is a new phase. This is a new change. And, you know, it could be this year that people struggle even a little bit more. The children have had lots of time at home, lots of downtime. They could be just so thrilled to start into the school year. or Get they could out be of like, the house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or they could be like, no way. I... I am used to this and I don't want any change now because it's been going on for so long. So, mm -hmm. you know, depending on how things have been running in your neck of the woods. 
So let's go through these seven ways that people can strengthen their families and bring more excitement through the family into the school year. So number one is to plan ahead. So it's so important that you plan. You know, there's some people that are planners and they just can't even have fun or enjoy life unless there was a plan made ahead of time and they know what's coming. But then, and then there's these live in the moment people. And in our family, we are definitely live in the moment. See, I would I probably think that's say, all of us. <laughs> yeah, I would probably say for the Peck family, um, being spontaneous at certain points is just as important as planning ahead on oh, other yeah. points. I right? mean, obviously for like, road trips and stuff you have to plan ahead on some things but during that you can also just be spontaneous yeah we do love spontaneity in our family but we did do key things to plan ahead and so we would look at okay what it what are our goals this year what are some of our things that we want to accomplish what are some of the fun things that we want to do and we would sit down and we would make a list we would plan, this is what we want to learn for, you know, this topic for history this year, or this is a place we want to go. We want to go to the planetarium and we want to see this, or this is, you know, a thing we want to make. Maybe we want to get more into crafts or something. And so we would write those things down. We would make a plan. And talking about it, writing it down, planning it, thinking it through ahead of time you know, this type of planning causes inspiration and excitement to occur right from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. So when you're saying, well, yeah, but like they're going to be at school, like if your children are going to school, you know, going to buy school supplies can be an exciting thing. But I got to say that even if your children are going to school, I hope you all realize that you're all homeschoolers. Every parent is a homeschooler, always will be a homeschooler. You can tell yourself you're not, but you have, you <laughs> teach your children things whether you want to or not. So, so how about you save the best for yourself, right? How yeah. about you say, where are we going to go? What are we going to do that's really fun? What crafts are we going to do? What, I mean, because you can, you can put money behind your stuff. You know what I mean? And that's exciting because like the school, they're always saying, we don't have the money for this and that. And can we get donations for this or that? And so, you know, they, they try to make things as cheap as possible, which is nice. But in your family, you can say, you know what, should we build a catapult this year? We should totally study catapults. <laughs> we should build it. I remember... My oldest son, Quinn, built a catapult with his uncle, who happened to be an engineer. And then for Halloween one year, when he was young, we took that catapult out and we launched pumpkins. Yes. We put pumpkins on that catapult and launched them. And that, I mean, how cool is that? You cannot do that on <laughs> the school budget for every child but we no. could do it with our budget because it was just our family and it was just our child at well that even one though it was quinn's main interest the rest of us got behind it too because we thought it was super cool oh and yeah so like we just kind of roped everybody in even though quinn was the one that had the main interest yeah, exactly. So anyway, plan ahead. Talk about what you're going to do. Have discussions about it. Don't just fly by the seat of your pants or just go, oh, I'm not going to talk about school because I don't want them to, you know, hate it. I don't want them to think home is going to be school. D don't talk like that. Instead, say, 
okay, what awesome things do we want to do as a family this year? Because fall is one of those times of year where people get excited to make a change in their lives. They get excited to take on more, to refresh and renew. It happens in the spring. It happens on January 1st and it happens in the fall. This is like in the change of the season and the change of the flow of society, that's when people get ready for new stuff. And so Mm -hmm. we need to be ready to make those plans with our family. And that alone will bring so much to look forward to. Now, here's the caveat. If you're going to make a plan, if you're going to plan, you better plan on doing most of that stuff on the plan. So you got to stick to it or else that excitement and that anticipation will die and create a sour taste in their mouth. They're like, we're never going to do anything on there, you know? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, you said we would, but we didn't. Then they feel gypped, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's important. I mean, maybe you won't get to everything, but you got to do some of the things, and you've got to deliberately follow through and do them. So that's number one. Number two is set goals in all the areas. And I think that actually piggybacks off of planning ahead, because when you set a goal, you're planning ahead to achieve something. Mm-hmm. And in this case, you know, like you said, set goals in all areas. So not that's not just scholastically. For sure. And it's not just fun, fun and game stuff either. So, so as you're planning ahead with the children for some of those fun things that you want to do, start asking other questions too, such as how, you know, what do we want to to learn about in this. What do we want to do with this, this, this? So development happens in all of these areas, intellectual development, social development, spiritual development, and then personal development, which includes our emotional and physical development. Okay. So those four areas, intellectual, social, spiritual, personal, we should be looking at those areas and saying, what is it that we want to do? Okay. Intellectually. Hmm. Intellectually, what do I want to know? Have I always wanted to learn how to write music? Well, that might not be something I get to learn at the, the elementary school, you know, or the junior high or whatever. So, so how am I going to learn how to write music? Well, that, that's a huge goal that I have that I want to work on. And then you can add that into some of those other plans that you're having. Well, wow, we could, for some of our fun plans, we could watch YouTube videos about how to write music. We could go meet some people who've written music and talk to them about the process. We could find somebody to mentor you in that. Take an online could, music theory course. Yes. Oh, yeah. See, there's so many things and you could do it with them. And that's important because all this is about inspiring the family to get excited about learning. So then let's look at social. So what kind of social development? You know, everybody needs social. Oh yeah. That's super important. And during COVID it's looked really different for people. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I know, but I know when I was younger, um, when we would have our meetings and stuff, we would set goals for social stuff like, okay. Um, you know, who, who do you want to spend time with this week? Or, you know, what, fun things do we want to do or you know this that and the other it was actually really good because then it didn't just like it happens when it happens you know we actually set a time sometimes even a specific day and time to make that social life happen Mm -hmm. yeah we did in fact we very often did that we said okay well let's have a they were let's have a 
yeah, let's have a day that's like our our family play day and let's see if we can all arrange to have a friend over on that day, you know? And so we would just put that in. Mm -hmm. Socially, you have to say, okay, well, do you have one child who's shy? Do you have one child who doesn't want to do social things? Do you have one child who's not getting along with the family? Did you know if they're not getting along with the family, they need social help? Because that's because the family is the first social unit of society. If a person does not get along with their brothers and sisters, they are having a social problem. Mm-hmm. And so that has to be worked on as well. So what types of social goals do you have for your family? Is there a type of a bond you want as a family? And would you put, you know, that down? And what do they want? Help them understand that social is more than just same age peers. Social yeah. is like the neighbor next door who happens to be 85. The, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. all these different people, it's all social. And um, interacting with people online, that is social. And there's- well, why do you think they call it social media? Exactly. Even though it's not the best type of social and shouldn't be the well, focus. No. I don't agree. <laughs> anyway, um, but it is that there is social there as well. Okay. So then spiritual, what are their spiritual goals and aspirations? What type of a person do they want to be when they think of what is a good person and what is the type of person I'm becoming? Then what truths do they need to know? What, what goals do they need to set for themselves to live what they consider to be a spiritually good life, a centered and grounded life. They've got to come up with that. Do they want to pray and and learn that? Do they want to study out of scripture? Do they want to do more service and, and love and serve their fellow men? You know, what are some things that would come into the spiritual category for them? And so help them put some goals together like that too. And then personal. So, Personal is your emotional and physical needs. So are you taking care of your health? Are you um, exercising, eating right? Are you watching out for bad thoughts that creep in and chasing them away with ones that make more sense, you know, and stuff like that. Because honestly, people can talk themselves into a depression any day they want to. If they get in the habit of it, it'll just keep happening you know, so how's that kind of stuff going on? And, um, you know, or do they need to work on optimism? Do they need to work on trusting other people? Do they need to work on communication? All these things would be personal skills that people would work on. Do they need to work on waking up on time? Help them set up. <laughs> that was one I had to work or on. Going to bed on time, which Ooh, is the too. problem that comes before waking up on time. Yeah. Paige, that was always your issue. We'd always say, okay, how can we wake up on time? Okay, what time are we going to bed? Let's do the go to bed. And then it was, what time does Paige need to go to bed? (laughs) Yeah, I'd be like, okay, Paige, you've got to be in bed by such and such time. If you're going to read before bed, then that means you got to be in there like a half hour earlier. (laughs) We had to make like a special thing just so that you would get to bed. And that didn't always work. But anyway, but we, we, we we set goals and we made progress here and there and that was good. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about number three. Um, what is number three, Paige? So number three is family culture development and social time. Yeah. So the family culture is a thing. Okay. This it's is- true. Like if you think about it, if you look at all the different people say in like your community or the people that you spend time with regularly you can tell that you know your family has a certain way of doing things and thinking about things while another family sometimes has a very different way of doing things or thinking about things 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And that's something that, you know, I think sometimes you think, oh, well, they're my neighbors. We must all do things the same. Or Mm-mm. they go to church with me. We must all do things the same. No. <laughs> there are just a million ways you can raise a child. And there are just a million different connect- collections of types of people that could be together in a family. And that means that every family is going to be different. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. And they need to say, what is our culture? What types of things are going to be important to us? What are our traditions? What are our priorities? How are we going to communicate with each other? And so that cultural development is huge as a family. And since we're talking about things in the family or that that are hinging on family, um, then we're spending some time, you know, like this cultural development is actually behind everything that we're talking about today. But a big part of it is family activities and trips. And I'd say that's what made up the majority of our family culture because we spent so much time together doing stuff like that. Okay. So see, that's the biggest thing. And I actually wanted to hit that heavy was time. You have to spend time. So people always say, oh, quality is more important than quantity of time. That's a lie. Total lie. The people, the, the influence that has the most time, the quantity of time with your child or with you gets to have the biggest impact on you or on them. And so, so if that's school, then it's school. But if it's yeah. family time, that's the best. So when the children are not doing school time or when they're not at school or with peers and stuff, then it needs to be like, you take it serious, this family time. Mm -hmm. It's not just, we all sit around the house and do our own thing and text our friends and whatever, because if you do that, then you're not having family time. They may be in your house, but that's not actually family time. Right. You're not actually spending time together. Even if you're all in the same room on Mm -hmm. devices, that's Mm -hmm. not spending time together. Yeah. So in this cultural development time, this is when I feel like the, like the crazy fun happens. Like this is when the spontane- spontaneity happens. This is when dad just starts wrestling with people. This is when people are cooking together and having water fights. And dance parties. Yeah, exactly. Turning off the lights and having flashlight wars and whatever, <laughs> you know, like all these different things. This is the cultural development time, you know, my daughter, London, she's getting ready to go to college and she's like, oh, mom, I'm going to miss Port. That's Porter, my youngest. She's like, oh, I'm going to miss him so much, mom, because they are the best of friends. And it's the cute. Yeah. And she's like, I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to, how am I going to, what am I going to do without Port? I'm just going to miss him. And he has watched out for her and helped her mm-hmm. and loved her. And she's loved him and taught him and brought him into her social circle. And so here they are, these two, she's 18, he's 16 and she's going to be leaving. And he is like, I'm going to have to have like three jobs to just not think <laughs> about the fact that, that London isn't here, you know, not that, not that we aren't going to have fun you know, me and my husband and him. But, but they are he, best buds. They are best. And it just makes me so happy because that's what I wanted for my yeah. children. Like so close that their rooms are right next to each other. They will lay in bed with their doors open and just have conversations. At night. I know. At night. They, yeah. Like <laughs> they're so lazy enough funny. that they won't get out of bed, but they're so close that they'll just have pillow talk from the other room. <laughs> 
It's so cute. It's just the cutest <laughs> ever. Anyway, so so the culture, strengthening that culture, having those those crazy fun times that really are the things that you remember later the most. Mm-hmm. You know, when you when you ask a person, oh, what's your favorite things about childhood? What'd you do that were so awesome? They bring up some funny thing like, oh, we used to climb on the roof and jump <laughs> off. And yeah, mom was dying because someone's going to break their leg. But no, it, it's, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, it, it's just like these crazy things that happen and the crazy trips and the, the fun jokes and all that kind of stuff. So that's family culture. Okay, let's move on to number four. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. So number four is evenings are for families to bond and rejuvenate, which is so true. I would say our evening life was very much alive, whether we were spending it as a family or as a family with friends or, you know, planned activities for the week. I know um, when we were a little bit younger, Fridays were um, field trip Friday for school. And Mm -hmm. we would go do a field trip as a family, whether it was, going out in the middle of nowhere to look at hieroglyphs that were in the area or going, you know, into a bigger city close by to go to a museum or stuff like that. But we spent a lot of time together. Mm -hmm. um, And that actually created such a strong bond. I like already miss it, even though I still have Porter who's at home, but, but like, I already miss the whole group. And when our whole group gets together and we play games and we laugh and oh, like family when everybody's together, yeah, we're always playing games. We also used to sit and just read stories mm-hmm. and I would read and you guys would sit there and you would do your like crocheting or build your Legos or, or whatever. Sketch. I would, yeah, sketch. Oh, that was a big one. Sketching. And then, um, and then I would just read you stories while you would do these things and we would discuss the stories and oh, it was just so relaxing and so fun. <laughs> so when I say rejuvenate, you know, I mean, we need that. We need that time as a family to feel like we're filling up our bucket. We're sharpening our saw, you know, that we are strengthening ourselves. And if your children feel like home rejuvenates them, they will love it. That's good. Yeah, but if home is about just TV and fighting over who gets to pick the show and get off my cushion and give me my blanket and whatever, and it, but if it's always if it's always just that, there's not much depth to that and there's really not much memory to it. And so it and it, and it's a little bit more contentious. Sometimes even the shows we watch can be too intense and they're not actually rejuvenating. So we have to be, you know, mindful of that. I mean, play night games, look at stars, you know, all those Man. kinds of good things. Home that should be a place that you can come home to and are excited to come home to. Totally. Totally. Awesome. Okay. So number five might be a little redundant, but, but we need to protect the family culture. So we talked about in number three, the cultural development and the social time of the family, but then, um, but then in, in number five, we're bringing in this protection of, okay? So protection of the family culture and the family's time, which means that we don't allow ourselves to spend all of our evenings other places. As I say, a lot of times, you know, we would say no to maybe particular other social gatherings or different parties or, you know, activities because we're like, you know what, we need this time as a family, especially 
like when us children were getting a little more selfish, you'd be like, mm, nope, we're going to do time with family. Mm -hmm. Yeah. See, and that's the thing. So I determined, okay, how much friend time is healthy compared to family time? And if they're getting selfish, I know they've had too much friend time, too much go, go, go time, and they're starting to get entitled. So we've got to back it up and put the F, the emphasis back on the family time. And so you're right, Paige. I actually said no to a lot of things. And for an extrovert like me and for all of our family members, that's, that's a big deal. Because like introverts can do that all every day of the week. <laughs> like, like, nope, nope, <laughs> nope. I'm good. But for an extrovert, that was a huge test of my dedication to family. Mm -hmm. Because I'm because a you social saw, person. I say you, you then converted your social time to being with the family. Even if they weren't mm -hmm. your same age group, you know, your social time was with your children and with your husband. And that you determined was enough for you at the time. Well, yeah. And that it was my top priority. So right. if my social with my family and children wasn't going good, I wasn't going to start doing stuff with friends and going and, and yeah. arranging all kinds of friend things. But when you did really figure out that, you know, it was okay for us to, you know, let's, let's have some more social than what you would do. I thought that, you know, this was really cool. And it's actually number six is you brought those other families into our family circle and kind of invited them into our family culture, mm -hmm. which was really awesome. So I know for the longest time when I was young, you know, we'd say, hey, mom, can we play with friends? And, and be like, yeah, invite them over, you know, or hey, we're going to have this super fun late night or late over, as we called them, instead of sleepovers. Um, and we would invite these families to just come spend a few hours at our house, you know, and play games there and just hang out. And it was super fun to invite them you know, into our, our family life. And it was whole families. So it was oh, like, yeah. we're going to invite this whole family and this whole family, or just this one whole family and the parents and the children and everyone did things together. Oh, it was so fun. Yeah. So that was, that was actually a, a huge thing. I, I thought to myself, okay, we need to have social time and, and we're going to have social time just with children in the neighborhood and, and stuff. And, you know, and we'll see different people at the homeschool groups and whatever. But to me, I felt like it was really important that we weren't just friends with same age peers, because to me, that's an illusion. That's an illusion of social because social is every age person on the planet. Mm -hmm. And most young children especially children in their teens, they don't know how to talk to anybody that's not their same age. And they don't it's want true. to. It's and uncomfortable. And they feel very awkward. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's awkward. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes, it feels uncomfortable to them. And it shouldn't. And as I'm sure anyone can tell upon meeting you, Paige, you've never had that sense of uncomfortable. <laughs> no, and that was actually mainly due to you and part of our family culture. Because part of our family culture, we sing. And so... And, you know, we're musical. And so you and I, we both decided to be in a women's barbershop group where I was the youngest there by a good 20, 30 years. <laughs> yeah. And, um, but I learned to interact and communicate with women and, you know, other adults who are much older than me and, you know, figured out ways to connect with them. And I learned how to mature by watching them. Well, you learned social because, uh, because then you wanted to be part of the singing group. So I went with you. We brought that into our family circle. Yeah, right? I was 11. Yeah, you were. And so I said, okay, well, if you're going to do that, then I'm going to be with you to help with the social uh -huh. transition there. And Plus, to also I just drive to rehearsal by myself. There was that <laughs> also. 
anyway, um, and it was fun. It was super fun for us to do, actually. We did that for a number of years. And I'm trying to think till you were maybe, what, 16? I think uh, till you were about 16, I think we did. Yeah. It. Yeah. So anyway, right as you probably could have driven yourself there, we just stopped. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> okay. No worries. But it was because you did other things then at that point, we, we switched. But um, yeah, inviting the other families in, bringing them into the culture. Sometimes that's the better way because, because sometimes some people's culture may not really jive well with your culture but you don't want to like shun them you want to reach out to other people that are different than you and stuff like that so sometimes you can just invite them into your culture and then they go oh I kind of like this culture like mm -hmm. I I I actually am tasting something a little new here a little different and they enjoy that and then your children get the chance of feeling the safety of your culture but also knowing other people and mom and dad are there to help guide any social that needs to happen potentially yeah. and we really did participate we weren't just always sitting there talking to our friends while the children played although that did happen sometimes well yeah and even when we were really young you did foster care and you brought all these um, young adults into our home. And I remember you telling me one time, there's this one girl in particular, and you're just um, playing with me and Quinn. And she was just standing there in the doorway, just kind of awestruck. And she's like, is this even real? Like, mm -hmm. does this even happen? Like, are you just putting up a front? And you're like, no, this is how our family is. Like, we actually get along. We enjoy being with each other. We enjoy, you know, having this time. And she's like, oh, wow, I had no idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, I think a lot of people have, I mean, the BBC show is another example. Um, when yeah. we did the BBC show, the camera crew and James and Hannah, who both came to stay with us and be filmed with us, um, they just assimilated to our culture. They came in, they came in and they were like, I like this. It's comfortable. It feels good here. I, I like being part of this different new world. And um, yeah, and they didn't anyway, leave. they did it. Yeah. They didn't want to leave. It was really beautiful. So that doesn't, I mean, that doesn't mean that you have to be, you know, perfect in any way, but, but or there's always, yeah, or <laughs> there's, there's things in your culture though, in your family culture that can be, um, a healing helpful thing and can strengthen bonds and friendships too. You can set the stage for what the good friendship can be mm -hmm. by having inviting them into your culture that lays a good communication foundation for them or a good respectful foundation for them. So it's like, well, this is how it started. So yeah. I'm not going to deviate from this, which is a really helpful thing. It's like pre-teaching for the future of that friendship and relationship. And it's um, something that's, really good for people yeah so well, and just kind of piggybacking off of that like with the bbc show and foster care you know it's it's really good for families to take on big projects and events which is actually number seven and obviously you don't have to be on tv or <laughs> do stuff like that but um doing those big projects you know those time consuming things as a family creates a bond that is unlike any other. So one that we've done repeatedly is we've decided that the whole family would be in a community theater play. Oh, so, they were so fun. Yeah, we've been in Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, The Sound of Music, and um, The Music Man, and The Little Mermaid. 
the little mermaid that's right i'm like i'm like thinking what else there's been so many that i can't remember <laughs> dad was in man of la mancha we, we had anyway um yeah so we've done these plays and that is a big time commitment it's well, and like you've even directed plays Oh, that's true. Well, we've done all those too. All these different Shakespeare plays, mm-hmm. you know, As You Like It, Much Ado About Nothing, multiple times, The Tempest, multiple Merchant times. Merchant of Venice. <laughs> Merchant of Venice. Yeah. Oh, so many, so many. Um, and so those were big things that we took on as a family, you know, the things extroverts do, right? Anyway. It's <laughs> so <laughs> just like, oh, let's do something on a stage. That sounds fun. That sounds great. <laughs> Anyway, um, but also musical things. We would go sing at at retirement homes and, um, you know, like I'm trying to think of rehabilitation facilities and stuff like that where people, you know, just need some sort of diversion. The family would take on a singing project to go and do that. Um, we would take on other community projects, church projects. We've done fundraising projects. We've done like a clothing drives for homeless people um we've done i we've led things um i wanted a tiger scout den in our area so i led tiger scouts twice um and created a whole den and did that and you know i mean and my husband was part of boy scouting and that was then turned into kind of a family project to take on boy scouting and gardening huge big family project so one of one of the things about some of these projects and you and they can be they can be different than you think you can say okay we want to we want to have our project be a garden or you could say we want our project to be we're going to make a movie just our family and we're going to we're going to start a youtube channel and we're (laughs) going to i mean you could do anything or you could say our project is we are going to start um just for this summer we are going to sell these fancy cupcakes and we're going to learn how to make them and it's going to be fun yeah well because every family is comprised of so many different skills and talents Mm-hmm. that there's so many different things you could do. So like, you know, for us, it was start these different groups and meet all these new people for, you know, some people in our family, it was start a cupcake thing that was based off of the keto diet, you know, and it's, there's just mm-hmm. so many different things, so many different talents, so many different ideas that come from so many different people, like be creative, but do something big like that with your family. It's important because it's actually inspiring. So oh, yeah. we're talking about making home life more ex- exciting and the school year more exciting. Well, what is your family doing? Like, what are they really doing to make a difference in the world? That's what's exciting. So yeah. if you're keeping all the project works for work for yourself and you're doing it while they're doing their school stuff every day or they're gone every day or whatever, and they don't actually see you putting the effort into your into these projects or these events that are family, the family's doing, and they just show up for the fun time, they are missing the most important part, mm-hmm. which is that they get to see how to put a project together. They get to be part of it. Now, is some of it going to be grueling and hard? The answer oh, is yeah. yes. <laughs> Sometimes do you not want to go to rehearsal? Do you get to the point where you're like, I am done with rehearsal? Yes, mm-hmm. that is the truth. But you go anyway. And then when you get to the end, when it finishes, you look at all of what you've done and you look at where you've come and it's so inspiring. So there's two different kinds of people. There's starters and finishers. There's starters. They just start thing after thing after thing, but they never finish. (laughs) So 
And then there's finishers and they're the ones they start something and they're going to go all the way to the end before they start something new. I must be a combination because oh, I start something <laughs> and then I start something else, but I work them all to the finish. I yeah, do work really them all to the finish. You're really good at multitasking or tying different projects together. Yeah. So, uh, but the thing is, is it, I just don't want to do something if I can't finish it. Because well, yeah, there's a certain sense of satisfaction that comes when you finish a big project. You mm -hmm. feel it, it boosts your confidence. It tells you that, yeah, I can do hard things. And so then it gives you confidence for the next big project or challenge that comes in life, which is important, especially when children are young and in school doing projects that might seem hard to them. You know, when they hit college, they have to be able to have that sense of accomplishment and drive to finish something because there are things in college that are hard and assignments that are grueling and you have to have that sense of achievement and know what it feels like so that you have motivation to work towards that feeling again with project after project or assignment after assignment. Mm -hmm. People have to know they can get something done. Yeah. That's the other thing. And parents teach that. And so this is not only going to be something that makes for great memories because you finished stuff, but it's also going to be this thing that makes it so that your children know they can get stuff done. They can accomplish projects. They know what it looks like, whether it's cleaning out the garage or whether it's baking cookies for, you know, widows that live around you or whatever it happens to be that you're going to do. They can be smaller projects and bigger projects, but try to always have some sort of project burning and going on and bring the whole family into it. Your own projects do not qualify necessarily as family projects unless you bring the whole family in and turn them into family projects and then they can be both, right? But it's just a good thing to do because the children gain so much out of it. So, oh, for anyway. sure. I would say that's probably where I learned a lot of my hardworking skills is with projects like that, you know, figuring out how to schedule everything, how to put it into play, you know, how to be assertive and talk to people to get things accomplished, um, how to be a team leader, stuff like that. They're really, really mm -hmm. important learning skills. Yeah. And I'm glad you bring up leadership because you do learn leadership when you're part of projects. If you're not part oh, yeah. of projects, it's awful hard to ever be learning leadership skills because you have to see yourself working together as a group to ever develop any leadership skills. So these are just seven ideas of what you can do to make life more exciting. And I have so much more that I want to share with you. There is a free event. I mentioned it earlier. Um, if you go to heartofhomeschool.com, there is a sign up right now for a free event that's going to be August 21st, 2020 from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Mountain Daylight Time. And this is going to be all about strengthening family culture and improving educational experiences no matter where your family's at education-wise. So I highly recommend going and checking that out for more information. And of course, you can always find out more information about self-government, which is what we're always looking through here, the lens of self-government on this, on this uh, 
podcast. I almost said YouTube. I mean, this isn't YouTube. It's a podcast. This is a podcast. <laughs> yeah, where are we? <laughs> anyway, on this podcast, we're always looking through that lens of self-government, and which is that lens of being able to control yourself, being deliberate. And hopefully you saw a lot of deliberate steps that you could take to make your life more exciting this school year. We will talk to you again next time, everybody. Hopefully we'll see you on the 21st. And we'll see you again. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to the Teaching Self-Government Podcast. For more information and resources to help unite your family, visit teachingselfgovernment.com.